If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn with me to 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 through 26. 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 through 26. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Nagab and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Bezor where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind, who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David. And they gave him bread, and he ate. They gave him water to drink, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, to whom do you belong, and where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Negeb of the Carathites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negeb of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band? And he said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fleds. fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil, or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, This is David's spoil. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook Bezor. And they went to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came among the men who had gone, 
And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, you shall not do so, my brothers. With what the Lord has given us, he has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made it a statue and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. That's a mouthful. There's a lot in 1 Samuel 30. And there's actually enough here that we could, we could turn this into a series and preach this three or four times. But for the sake of today, I've grabbed a hold of a few points in this passage, and I just want to share a few bullet points with you. But before that, I just um, kind of want to set this up and talk about the year that we've had. Last year at this time, we were all talking about having 2020 vision. There were proclamations, there were declarations, there were expectations. Ministers were making claims that 2020 was going to be a time of great increase, that this year, 2020, was going to be one for the ages. It was going to be a time in which the body of Christ would come together, and it actually did although not the way that any of us anticipated. On March 22nd of this year, churches from all over America publicly broadcasted their services for the first time. Churches that had 20 in attendance and churches that had 20,000 in attendance. Churches that had entire crews exclusively devoted to their media and television ministry and churches where the pastor wore every hat from custodian to preacher to wedding planner to substitute school bus driver, churches that were experts in technology, and churches that were still using overhead projectors. Churches everywhere were using the internet to broadcast their services. On this day, there were possibly more people exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ in one 24-hour period than any other day in history. This became a great, great, great tool for the church, but as great of a tool as it has been, its reason for being has wrecked 2020. We witnessed things in 2020 that I don't recall ever seen during, ever seen before during my 46 years of life. We saw spring breaks begin, but never end. We saw meetings once held in boardrooms filled with men and women transition to unknown places called Zoom, FaceTime, and Google Classrooms. We saw sporting seasons end, proms canceled, graduations postponed. We saw hospitals filled, businesses shut down, toilet paper disappear. We were unable to celebrate at weddings or mourn at funerals. Simply going to Walmart or eating at a restaurant became survival of the fittest. Each of us have been impacted by the COVID-19 Maybe some of you in here have had it personally. Many of you know someone that contracted it at some point. Either way, it's been a tough season, a tough year, a year we most want to forget. 
2020 brought with it arguments between friends, bitterness among communities, and the loss of more of our loved ones than I want to think about or count. People ran to God. People ran from God. But through all this craziness, through all this confusion, through all this chaos, Jesus never, never once turned his back on us. Never once did he withhold his amazing love, his forgiveness, his peace, or his grace and mercy. Never once has he disappeared. Oftentimes we might have, but never once did he. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through him who strengthens me or him who gives me strength. The phrase who gives me strength here is from the Greek word meaning who empowers me. Our ability to do what God desires and has in store for us doesn't come from our own ability, our own ingenuity, or our own spirituality. It comes from his enabling power. This morning, I want to briefly talk to you about how God was still willing to enable and empower David, even when it seemed all hope was lost. David disappeared but never once did God. God has never disappeared. A little background um, leading up to chapter 30 to catch you up to where we're at. In 1 Samuel chapter 27, David had stressed himself. He had, he had just worried and worried and worried. The anxiety was crazy. He was so stressed out that he made his first mistake. And that first mistake was going to the Philistines. The same people that he had been fighting for years and years and years, the same people that were his mortal enemies, he was going to. He'd convinced himself that Saul was going to kill him. He had convinced himself that eventually Saul would catch up to him and eventually Saul would get rid of him. Despite the promises that had been spoken over him, despite the things that God had said to him and about him, he figured if he left for Israel, Saul would eventually quit searching for him and he'd be safe. Not only did he go, but he also took 600 warriors and their families with him to Achish, son of Maok, king of Gath. How often do the poor decisions we make impact the people around us? Over my career, I've had the opportunity and the privilege to work in three different Christian recovery centers. And I don't know how many times I've been made, I've been told this statement. Pastor Brandon, drugs only affect me. They don't touch or hurt or impact the people around me. They only affect me. They affect everyone around you. Drugs affect everyone around you. And I say that because sometimes we don't think about the decisions we make. We, we think it's only going to hurt me. It's only going to impact me. But the decisions we make impact the people around us. David found favor in the eyes of Achish. And while living in Philistine land, the area of Ziklag he'd been given for 16 months, he did despicable things to the surrounding peoples the entire 16 months. He looted, he killed, and he destroyed. This is not the story that we normally hear when we're talking about David, but this is part of his story. In chapter 29, we fast forward a little bit, and we read that David is preparing to go to battle, allied with the Philistines against Israel. When the Philistine commanders asked Ashik, why is he here? Why is David with you? What, what in the world is he in line for battle for? These Philistine rulers knew exactly who he was. 
He was the golden boy that the Israelites had sang songs of victory about. He was the golden boy that the Israelites had said, if somebody's going to win the battle, it's going to be David. And the, the Philistines are looking, looking at him and saying, Achish, you get your boy and get him out of here because he's not going to battle with us. Achish tried to vouch for him, but the commanders tell him to send David home. They don't want him double-crossing them during the heat of the battle, knowing that there is no easier way to regain Saul's approval than this. So Achish goes to him and says, hey, I'm sorry, but you got to leave. You can't fight with us. You need to go on home. David even tried to plead his case to Achish saying, what did I do? Haven't I served you admirably this entire 16th, 16 months? I've done everything you've asked. I've been there, but now I have to go home. Here's David, who had always fought the Philistines for Israel, now wanting to fight with the Philistines against Israel. How often do our poor decisions lead to worse decisions? When a lie is told, the next decision is usually another lie. Poor choices breed poor choices. We get to chapter 29, verse 11, and it says, So David and his men got up early in the morning to go back to the land of the Philistines. And here is where we pick up to 1 Samuel 30. David and his men had just marched back from Aphek, where he had tried joining the Philistine army to Ziklag, where he lived, a distance of around 50 miles. They were discouraged, they were hungry, they were tired, and they were ready to see their families. They were angry because they didn't get to fight, and they just wanted to get home. And as they're traveling, they get within a short distance, a few miles from home, and, and the warriors begin to scan the grounds. They begin to scan the area um, near their homes. They're excited to see, um, to be getting back to those they love. But something's off. Something isn't quite right. This is not the normal celebration of wives and children rushing out to, to, to hug and embrace their, their, their tired fi fathers. The smoke they see rising in the air isn't like the smoke that normally escapes their chimneys. It was thicker. It was blacker. It was heavier. This wasn't the smoke from a, a cooking fire. This was something different. They finally arrive in Ziklag to see their homes turned into a burnt pile of trash. And not only was the entire city burned to the ground, their wives and children had been kidnapped. This is a case of bad to worse to worst. It was horrible enough that their home was gone, but a worst case scenario was taking place as well. Their families had been taken. How many times in the last nine months have we said, what can possibly, what can happen next? What is going to happen next? What can possibly happen next? Can this COVID thing get any worse? We were told it would be taken care of in two to three weeks if we followed protocol, but now things are worse than ever. Worst to worst. We went from a global pandemic to an insane election that has caused lifelong friendships to dissolve. This year has been crazy. This year has been anything but what we expected. But I want to say this. When the fire of the enemy has burned everything around you, let your God bring you strength. When the fire of the enemy has burned everything around you, let your God be the one to bring you strength. 2020 sucked the joy out of many people's year, and every time it seemed it couldn't get worse, it did. 
verses four through six say this. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. We've all seen lots of things that have made us cry this year. We've all experienced things that have made us cry this year. We've all cried to a point where we didn't have any tears left to cry. We're standing outside of windows at nursing homes trying to communicate with the people we love. We're being denied entry um, into hospitals to visit our family members. We've experienced things this year that we've never experienced before. David's two wives also had been taken. In Hananoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. I don't have to ask the question to know that many of us in here have been greatly distressed this year. Many of us in here have experienced things that we never dreamed of nor never wanted to experience this past year. It all hit David at once. As far as he was concerned, everything was lost. Each of us have been affected at some point by what happened in 2020. Many of us worse than others. David looked around, saw smoldering buildings, saw what he once owned was now gone. He saw his army becoming angry Everything about this moment was collapsing in on him. David no longer had anyone supporting him. No one, no one in Israel could help him. The Philistines had rejected him. His family had been taken. Everything he owned was destroyed. Now the warriors who'd pledged their allegiance to him were threatening to stone him. David wasn't just weeping because of what he had lost. He was also crying because he realized it was all his fault. He was responsible for everything that was happening in that moment. He had chosen to ignore God's promise spoken over his life. He had chosen to fear Saul more than trust God. He had chosen to align himself with his enemy. He had chosen to lead men into ungodly acts. But, but, but he's, he still had a God who hadn't forgot, who had not forgotten the promise that was spoken over him. He still had a God whose love was greater than any fear. He still had a God who had allowed him to kill a giant with nothing more than a stone. And he still had a God who could change the heart of every single man in that army. He still had a God who was there for him. He still had a God who was on his side. In verse 6, it says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because, of, because all the people were bitter in soul, each of his sons, each for his sons and daughters. But then it goes on to say, But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I want to say that again. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Despite what people were about to do, despite what he had been doing, he strengthened himself in his God. It took a lot to bring a backslidden a backslidden David to this point, but now he's here. He realized that God was his only strength. Only God can bring true comfort from true mourning, and David understood that. He understood that he had to raise his mind up to God to get above the things that were distressing him. Be determined this year, church. Be determined that going into 2021, that your mind will be fixed on Jesus. When you fix your mind on Jesus, you don't have time to fix your mind on other things. 
It took a lot to bring this backslidden man to this point. Why would God even strengthen him after all he had done? Because the God that David served is rich in mercy and grace. David is at a point where he is completely broken. But once he's broken, he's ready to once again be filled by his God. Sometimes we think or believe we have to achieve God's blessing or God's strength or God's promise. But David's showing us another way. He remembered that God's promise was already there. Don't let our current circumstances make you forget the promises that God has spoken over your life. David didn't wait for someone else to strengthen him. He knew that the Lord's strength was was there for those who waited upon him. So he strengthened himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. This was the strength of the Lord making itself real in the life and in the heart of a hurting man. How? David encouraged himself in the Lord. How? He did a few different things. He strengthened himself by remembering God's love. What had stung before the rejection of the Philistines was now validation of God's love. God sees what we don't see and what may appear bad at first might end up being good. Pastor Jeremy told the story of the background of the song, The Blessing, a few minutes ago. He told how Carrie Job had written this, this song before the epidemic, before the pandemic ever showed up. But God had given her something that we didn't see. He saw, he gave her an encouragement to encourage the communities, the churches, the peoples, the nation before we ever knew about it. And that's the way God works. Had the Philistines allowed him to go to war with them, he would have been gone for weeks or possibly months, um, and the situation would have been far worse. His, his community would have been burned down, his family would have been taken, and there probably would have been no way of finding all the lost families. They'd have been long sold into slavery. But God has a way of seeing things that we don't, and God has a way of making, making things happen that we're not even aware of. He strengthened himself by remembering God's promise and calling. God had anointed him, God had called him and God had promised him that you will, you will be the next king of Israel. God never took that calling away. He strengthened himself by remembering the ways that God had delivered him in the past. He never should have been able to stand toe to toe with a lion or a bear or a giant. He never should have defeated the armies he did. He never should have escaped multiple assassination attempts by Saul. But God delivered him each and every time, time after time after time after time, God delivered him. And he remembered these things. And that's why he was able to be strengthened. This is why he was able to be strengthened in the Lord. Psalm 46, one through three says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The psalmist here is telling us that God, to trust God during times of instability and insecurity, the strength and power to face the difficulties and uncertainties of life can be found only in our God. Especially now, church, in a COVID world, we'll experience times where we feel empty, spiritually dry, and weak. But this can't be our norm. If we patiently trust God, he will demonstrate his power through us, enabling us to overcome the, the obstacles of life. 
Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will, dis- I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. No matter how rough 2020, or any other year for that matter, has been to you, be strengthened and encouraged in your God today. Once God strengthens you, let his fire impact everything you do. Once that strength is inside of you, let his fire impact everything you do. Once David was again strengthened in his Lord, he realized the importance of utilizing that strength. David immediately sought the priest. He put on the sacred garment of the high priest and he began to inquire of the Lord. He said, God, shall I pursue the Amalekite raiding party? Church, are you asking God what he wants you to be doing? Are you asking for opportunities to make an impact? Are you asking God how he wants you to enter 2021? Are you asking God to to place people in your path that you can speak life into? Are you asking God what you can do in 2021? If you're not, I encourage you and I implore you to start today. Don't wait till 21 to do that. Start today. God didn't hesitate to give an answer. He said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. Up to this point in scripture, God's answers had usually, not always, but usually been slow and gradual. But now God was quick and full in answering. God knew this situation required speed and there wasn't time to waste. During this COVID time, don't forget who your source is. Don't fail to remember from whom your strength and encouragement come. Don't allow the enemy to begin burning down your dreams again. God has given you the tools to begin impacting the community around you, pursuing those who need to to know who Jesus is before it's too late, and rescuing the people in your life who feel that all hope is lost. There isn't time to sit back and wonder when you should start going out. The time is now. Go, go, go. God didn't waste time in telling David what to do. Instead, he said, pursue, overtake, and rescue. Go do those things now. God didn't just tell David what to do. He gave him the promise of what would happen when he did it. Pursue, and then you will overtake and rescue. If God tells you to do it, I'm pretty sure he's going to give you the victory. God is is calling you to impact the lives around you. And as he does, he does this. Know that when God gives us something to do, he also gives us a promise in the doing. When God gives us something to do, he also gives us a promise in the doing. Verses 9 and 10 say, So David set out and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Bezor, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor. 200 of the warriors were so exhausted from everything that had been happening that they couldn't go any further. David had them stay at the brook Bezor. This would freak me out a little bit. My army's already small. I've just lost 200 of my men. I'd be a little worried. Under different circumstances, David may have or would have been discouraged. He was losing one-third of his men and going to fight a significantly larger Amalekite army. But he had just been strengthened by his Lord, and that impacted his attitude, his mission, 
and his purpose. When we've been strengthened by God, our circumstances begin to change. This, however, became a positive. Leaving those one-third behind wasn't a negative. It became a positive because he, he left much of the supplies with the 200, enabling the others to travel faster and easier, helping fulfill the promise that God had, had given them. The fight wasn't in his hands. You know, he looked at the situation and said, I've just lost 200 men. I don't know if I'll lose 200 more. I don't know if I'll lose 400 more. But what I do know is that God has already told me that I'm going to win this battle. What I do know is God has already made the promise. What I do know is God has already strengthened me. What I do know is if I go there by myself and I fight this battle by myself, I'm still going to win because I'm not alone. I have God, the God of all gods, the King of all kings, the creator of the universe on my side. He's the one that will carry me through this battle. David would have still gone, even if he was alone, knowing that the victory was in the words the Lord had given him. Church, know that if God tells you the battle is won, then the battle is won. If God tells you the battle is won, then the battle is won. We're going into 2021 in a few short days. Despite what next year brings, Know that if God puts you in a battle, he's going to be with you while you're fighting the battle. Let the fire of God in your heart and spirit be greater than the depression, frustration, and bitterness around us. Thirdly, once God's fire impacts what you're doing, don't forget the people you've impacted. Once God's fire impacts you, impacts what you're doing, don't forget about the people around you. Just like God said, he gave the victory to David. He rescued everything the Amalekites had stolen. And in addition to getting back what was theirs, David also took the flocks and herds that had previously been stolen by the Amalekites. When God gives you a promise, he always keeps it. Not only was David's promise fulfilled through God, it was also multiplied into an extra blessing. God's plans are always greater than ours. On the journey home, they came to those who had stayed back guarding supplies. Verses 21 through 24. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook Bezor. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, you shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given us into the hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They all share alike. The 400 who fought only wanted to give the others their wives and children, none of the additional spoils. But David declared an important principle. The supply lines are just as valuable and vital as the soldiers, and God will reward both, both soldiers and supporters properly. God will support the hidden servant with the same reward as the prominent servant. You might never be recognized for the impact you've made for God this side of heaven. 
you might never get a pat on the back. You might never get a Chick-fil-A card at Honor Point. You may never have your name tagged on Facebook. You may never have anyone comment on how you've pursued God, overtaken the enemy, and helped rescue those who God loves. But don't forget, it's God that's watching you. He knows what you've done in his name. As God impacts you, as God impacts you, leave an impact for God on everyone you come into contact with. Church, if there's anything else you take today, just take that. As God impacts you, leave an impact on the people that are around you for God. Before closing, and I told Pastor Sean and Pastor Jeremy that I'd be done in 35 minutes, and I've I've hit that. Before closing, I want to take this a slightly different direction. And of course, disclaimer here, of course, this applies to no one in this room. It's probably for someone that's watching online that that needs this this word. It applies to no one in this room. But in closing, I want to take this a slightly different direction. This past year, there have been so many disagreements that have ruined friendships. The 400 who fought the fight pointed fingers at the 200 and said, They didn't do it the right way. They don't deserve the same things that we do. 2020 has been crazy. There's been lots of finger pointing, lots of accusations, assumptions stating they don't have the ability to see the truth. Church, they're never going to want to see the truth if that's how we constantly present it. Not everyone has the same level of faith as you. Instead of hindering someone on a different level than you, let's help them. Instead of doing things that turn people away from the church in 2021, let's impact people in a way that they'll want to come closer to Jesus. Think about what we say, what we post, and what we share before we share it. People are watching us, and they'll know if we've truly been impacted and strengthened by him. Very quickly, there's a part of this story that I left out. It's where David had loved on and shown mercy to an insignificant, scared, half-dead Egyptian slave of one of the Amalekites. And because of his love, because of his attention, the slave showed David the direction to the Amalekites' camp. You never know how the way you treat someone will impact your own life. Treat people differently. As tough as 2020 has been, be encouraged, church, that God has been with you through it all. No matter what you've experienced, no matter how hard it was. And I can't begin to to understand or relate to what some of you have gone through. I'm looking out across the room at some of my friends who have experienced great loss. I can't even begin to understand how tough it was. But I know that even through the toughest times of your life, God has been there. God has never let you go. God has never stopped loving you. God has not disappeared. Pastor Sean, if you're in the house and you can come up here for a second. When the fire of the enemy has burned everything around you, let your God bring you strength. 
Once God strengthens you, let his fire impact you everything you do. Once God's fire impacts what you're doing, don't forget the people you've impacted. If like David, you feel you've turned from God, please know that today you can once again be strengthened by the Lord. If you feel like 2020 has left you drained and dry, let God refill you with his strength and encouragement today. And finally, if you're here and you've never experienced the love of Jesus or know what it feels to be strengthened by Jesus, don't leave 2020 without doing that. By accepting and receiving from the Lord today what he wants to give you, you can turn what was possibly the worst year of your life into the best year of your life. If you need strength, if you need to be restored, if you've walked away from the Lord, or if you've never accepted the Lord, and you're here today, and you can feel him grabbing hold of your heart saying, this is, this is the time. Don't wait till 2021. Don't wait till the next church service. Don't wait until someone else speaks. Take advantage of it today.